Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Now God has his dwelling with mankind. He will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. Revelation 21, verse 3. I thought this verse aptly summed up all we have to be grateful for on this day after Thanksgiving, when the natural instinct for most folks is to rush out in a frenzy of shopping, catching the bargains, battling the crowds, calming the waters, to satisfy their material wants, which we, yes, I'm as guilty as the next person, are convinced will make us happy. Oh, what worldly beings we are. Think about it for a moment. What can money possibly buy that will give us the satisfaction, the security, the comfort of knowing that God has set up his home with us on earth, has claimed us as his people, and will always be with us? God isn't a deity out there somewhere. He's imminent. He permanently pervades the universe. Did you catch that? Permanently. He's in for the long haul, and he desperately wants us to feel release from the burdens of this mortal life. I wander around the streets, cold, fed up with the short days, groaning under the weight of my shopping, impatient at the bus stop, and I look at the people around me. I share at least the outward trappings of my life with my fellow Englishmen. Realising this, I breathe a huge sigh of relief. I'm not alone, and I am jolted into an epiphanal awakening. If I can afford myself some comfort about my lot in life from those around me, How much more should I be able to draw a huge sigh of relief by deliberately acknowledging that God is there also, permanently with me, sharing my life, every aspect of it, for as long as I'm here. And then, when my time is up, I'll go off to share his life in heaven. Wow! I'm thankful that I'm one of his people. Are you? Good afternoon and a good morning. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNinney. With me today are Zoe Cottrell-Bentley and Callan Rowe, both homeschool seniors, looking forward to breaking out of the basement and joining the world of further education. They are the penultimate guests in my series on graduated homeschoolers, and I'm sure you'll agree that their voices, as they move towards this next step in their lives, are fresh and interesting. Later, I'll be talking about what the homeschool looks like today, inspired by my conversation some months ago with Deborah Bell, who's writing her dissertation on this topic for her PhD in educational psychology. Then I'll touch on Thanksgiving, or not, the upcoming heatwave in November in England, the post, Advent, Malia's News, and other oddities associated with life here. You're ready, I hope, with your cuppa and crumpet or piece of toast spread with butter and, dare I say it, chocolate spread? Make yourselves comfortable, for I'm about to begin. This week, the meteorologists are forecasting a heat wave here in November. The words heat wave and November don't belong in the same sentence, at least not in this hemisphere. The sun may be out, but the air is too cold. What they really mean is a warm front, warm that is for November, about 15 degrees centigrade, which is 58 degrees Fahrenheit. We don't very often get heat waves here, so any excuse to use the word warms the cockles of our hearts. 
a heat wave in November in England. I ask you. Well, my blue-eyed cowboy and I bought a large pine kitchen table with three chairs. Odd number, but that's all there were. So the green plastic ones are still being utilised until we find some heavy pine. Since our kitchen is only a little bit bigger than the table, we're using it as a dining table, which is why we bought it, really. It's so solid that when we bump against it accidentally, the tea in our cups doesn't even move. Perfect. I remember our kitchen table at home would get moved during every meal by an overzealous child wanting to change position of his or her legs, or reaching something that was just a teeny bit out of weight, out of range and knock the table successfully spilling anything spillable or even causing a cup to keel over completely if the jolt was sharp enough. At the same time as our table purchase we happened upon something we've wanted for years, a prix dieu. Once in our possession we discovered it was also a freestanding confessional, even better. We have it in the bedroom and it looks lovely against our cross wall sitting on one of our oriental rugs. My brother still thinks we're mad buying all this stuff. What are you going to do with it when you leave, he says. I sent a friend of mine photos of the flat and she said it looked so very American. She was disappointed. I wonder what she expected. The only English feature she noticed was the washing machine in the kitchen. What about all the wall radiators? Perhaps she would have thought it more English with my parents' Urquhart furniture. Every day the post comes right to our door. There aren't any mailboxes at the roadside, and the postman rides his bicycle and comes right up to the front door or, as in our case, into the building to hand-deliver our letters and bills and junk mail through our letterbox and onto our doormat. When this happens, my husband says, The door's just vomited again all over the mat. He loves it. When we were first here, he'd be startled every time the letterbox flap clanged open. Then, once he'd recovered from his enstartlement, he'd rush to the front doormat and scoop up the post. Most of it was for me, but he'd get some doctor's or national health letters and reminders once in a while. In the beginning, when the national health system ran out of generated mail ideas, his post stopped. Then he started buying little electronic knick-knacks to be delivered with his name on the front, and every now and again a larger item for the kitchen, or a heavyweight duvet. These would entail the postman having to ring the bell and the front door being opened for deliverance. No vomiting on the map that day. Today, we don't get much post at all. I've converted all my bills to paperless, which the British don't fully buy into, not believing me when I say I no longer want any bills or notices sent to me from them because I keep up with my bills on a screen online. They insist on sending me little notices, as if they can't resist popping something in an envelope and posting it. Today, the post spilled onto our mat, and my Texan was there to greet it eagerly, proclaiming, There's a letter for me! He ran straight into the kitchen to open it. It was a reminder about making his appointment for his allergies at King's College Hospital. Shame. Allergy season is almost over, if not completely over, since we've had our first freeze. But it's said that people on the National Health Medical Procedures list either die or get better while waiting for a response to a doctor's referral letter. But I think he'd better persevere, as spring will be here within the 18-week guarantee of appointment period, and that, in National Health time is just around the corner. On Wednesday, we went to see Malia perform in a school-wide show. It was the day before Thanksgiving. She was acting, not dancing, and was fabulous. 
She doesn't think she can act, or at least she didn't think she could act when she first started college. But on the train to Lee, I was chatting to my blue-eyed Texan and remembered one of her first roles with the children's theatre in America. It was that of Virginia in Yes, Virginia, There is a Santa Claus. You couldn't get more acting than the lead in that play. The ensuing immersion in ballet must have eclipsed all her dramatic memories. She now knows that she can not only act, but sing too, and, of course, dance. The perfect combination for success. Before catching the train... While we were still at home, we checked our parent manual and packed her up a care package. Not that she needs one, her landlady is a gem, but I know she misses some of the comforts from home, which is how she refers to the flat in Beckenham. Home is where your parents are, right? In her care package, we included a couple of sheets, bed sheets. Duvets are the European replacement for top sheets, blankets, counterpanes and even eiderdowns, which, although feathery, are not the only bedclothes. They, the duvets, are filled with the appropriate TOG, seasonal weight guidelines, of man-made fibres, or better still, goose down, and when slipped into a cover, need only to be shaken vigorously over the bed each morning for a faster-than-light, hey presto, it's made look, which neatens up a bedroom in a flash. No smoothing or tucking or hospital corners, just a deft flick of the wrist and the bed's made. The only drawback is, in all this simplicity of the duvet, the top sheet has disappeared. Taking off the cover for washing each week, releasing a small riot of tiny feathers is one thing, but wrestling a queen or a super-king bundle of self-fluffing feathers back into its restraining cover single-handedly is more than I want to deal with. I'd rather just rip off a top sheet fling it in the washer and then put it back on the bed keeping the feathers firmly and trapped in their no need to launder yet duvet bag much easier process my daughter doesn't have a top sheet so she has to snuggle her feather monster into the bag every time she washes her cover i would say every week but i doubt she does it regularly so we took her a couple of top sheets to ease her laundry day battle also included in the care package was a bottle of her father's homemade and scrummy Caesar salad dressing. It is his signature pièce de résistance. The instructions for which are written on a scrap of paper with no quantities beyond the vague, a dash of this and a splash of that. The kind of recipe that you have to be the creator of to decipher. The whole Lee household loves it, so a jar only lasts a week. And while he was in dressing-making mode, he also whipped together the ingredients for ranch dressing that simply cannot be found on a grocery shelf anywhere in South London. I contributed a pecan pie, only I had to use walnuts, don't ask. Hopefully it'll taste the same. Bread pudding to fulfil a craving I had for some good old-fashioned nursery food. And a cranberry crunch, traditional turkey accompaniment in our house. And yes, I did find cranberries at Sainsbury's in the freezers. I don't know what I would have used as a substitute. And finally, in her care package, was a pair of gloves and an advent calendar. She was suitably thrilled. Thank goodness for the parent manual. And still on Thanksgiving, as I said last week, hardly a soul celebrates it here, and my Texan and I settled for a delicious meal of fish and chips from the chippy. My dancer daughter probably misses lots of the dishes we eat habitually when she went to her English friend's attempt at Thanksgiving dinner. Here's a random guess at what she would have had with her turkey that day. Sausage, sausage meat stuffing, Brussels sprouts, bread sauce, roast potatoes, maybe a Yorkshire pudding followed by a rice pudding baked in the oven along with the bird or a steamed treacle pudding with syrup liberally poured on it. Am I hungry or something? 
She'd probably have not seen sweet potato casserole, pumpkin pie, ambrosia, cranberry crunch. Oh, well, we took her one of those. Pecan pie, we took her one of those too. Cornbread, grits, cream peas, or candied carrots on the table. Yep, I'm definitely hungry. The fish and chips obviously didn't cut it yesterday. And after lunch, yesterday we went for a walk in the leaves, which incidentally are knee-deep in places. And then we took a restorative yoga class and played some patriotic music. And last week we went to our church fair. My Texan has never been to one of those, so was hesitant to try the tombola or the bottle stall. And I didn't remember quite how they worked, but by the looks of things, a lot of bottles of wine were being won for a pound. There's another fair at the weekend, so we'll go again and try our luck. It's a good place to buy a Christmas cake or mincemeat, jams and chutneys, and is nothing like a craft show. Much more local and congregational. And it looks as though I need to go on a short break now, so stay put and join me once we've heard these messages. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. It's time to get your boots on with the Boot Campaign with hosts Megan Roth and Bailey Gray, Thursdays at noon, 1 central on Toginet.com, sponsored by Austin Bank. The whole point of the Boot Campaign is to continue the true grassroots initiative developed by a group of patriotic women known as the Boot Girls. Inspired by the true story of Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, the Boot Girls got started with celebrities but want every American to get your boots on by purchasing a pair of the Give Back Combat Boots. The campaign's motto is simple. When they come back, we give back. For more on the Boot Campaign, go to the website, bootcampaign.com. The Boot Campaign Get Your Boots On Show will feature discussions on current events impacting the lives of active duty and retired military, interviews with our nation's war heroes, medical professionals, and celebrities who have put their boots on. Do your part and join us for The Boot Campaign Get Your Boots On Show with Megan Roth and Baby Gray, Thursdays at noon, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better. To make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. As I said during my introduction, this is my second to last show in my series on graduated homeschoolers. I hope you've enjoyed them so far. I've spoken to Jenny Hodgman from Australia, who told us how her unstructured schooling experience gave her the courage to go where her dream took her, and the surprising results of that journey. 
Next, I talked to Laura Ellis, marketing writer for Sunlight Curriculum, currently residing in Oxford, here on these fair shores. Laura spoke eloquently about how homeschooling assisted her in thriving at college where she enjoyed a mature and fruitful relationship with her professors. Guesting with Laura was Joshua Williams, a fellow Brit spending his second year at Aberdeen University in Bologna, Northern Italy, where he's studying abroad with a program called Erasmus for three terms, which is a year. His goal is to teach primary age children from underprivileged families. Joshua told us that the homeschooling experience drew him into a closer relationship with all his family. Last week, I spoke to Jonathan and Linnea Lewis, who talked about the different approach they took to higher education and the job market after graduating from homeschool. Linnea attained her Bachelor of Arts using a correspondence course, costing a fraction of the tuition she would have incurred at traditional college. Jonathan started a homeschool magazine called Homeschool Enrichment Magazine, for which he is the editor. I know our conversations so far have encouraged many of you listening in with worries about compromising your children's future by not sending them to traditional school to relax in the affirmation from these young graduates that what you're doing is best for your children and there is help out there if you need it. To date, all of my guests have been shining examples of the independence and self-knowledge that can develop naturally when homeschoolers are encouraged to work out their own futures with support from their families. And it's time to welcome my two young guests today, Zoe Cottrell-Bentley and Callan Rowe. Thank you both for joining me this morning. How are you? I am simply wonderful. And you, <laughs> you are? I am Callan. And Zoe? I'm great. Hi. Hi. Nice to be here. Yeah. Okay, Zoe, uh, we'll start with you. I would like to know how old you are. You're on the cusp, I, I mentioned, of um, graduating from homeschool. So give us your age. Right now, I am 15 years old. All right. And Callan, how old are you? I am 17. I just turned 17 at the end of the summer. Oh, you did? Well, congratulations. Yes. Thank Zoe, I know your family just had a move, but um, where are you speaking from at the moment? I'm actually in Iowa right now because I'm on vacation. You're on vacation? Oh, for Thanksgiving? Uh, sort of. I'm here to see some family. Yeah, yeah, good. And you, but you did move. You, did, you, you have moved to somewhere. Where have you moved to? Yes, I have just moved from a small town south of Tucson, Arizona, to Milpitas, which is right in Northern California, a bit to near San Jose and to south of San Francisco. So I'll be coming back there for the actual day of Thanksgiving with my dad. Oh, okay, okay. All right, and Callan, tell us where you're speaking from. I'm speaking from the house I've lived in my entire life in Annapolis, Maryland. So. All right, and do you want to tell us a little bit about the logistics of your family homeschool, Callan? Um, where do you fall in the um, sibling hierarchy? I am the fourth of um, six kids. I am the last girl. Right. Um, I am the fourth one to graduate. I have two older siblings in college and one that has graduated college, and then I've got a 12-year-old brother and a 6-year-old brother, both who are still being homeschooled by my mom. All right. And are you still being homeschooled? Yep. 
I'm a little bit more independent for my mom. I do my studies and she checks over to make sure I'm not learning something wrong, but it's mostly me teaching myself, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Zoe, could you tell us a little bit about your family dynamics and how you homeschool? Okay, sure. So in my family, there's my mom, my dad, myself, I'm the older sister, and my younger sister, Tegan. We have a much more unstructured education than most homeschoolers. We call ourselves unschoolers. And mostly we have freedom to learn whatever we want, whenever we want. But that doesn't mean that our parents aren't involved. In fact, they're very involved helping us learn whatever we're into at the moment. Mm-hmm. And Callan, not Ka- Yes, Callan. Let's go back to Callan. Tell me something about um, your interests and and your hobbies and how you were able to incorporate those into your typical homeschool day or week. Um, Well, I am a very avid horse person. I love horses. And um, all throughout uh, middle school and um, some of elementary school, I worked at a horse stable at five o'clock in the morning and I was there until about eight and um, I would come home and then I would take an hour to, you know, not smell like horses and um, eat and do all that stuff and get ready for the school day. So my school day would start at around nine mm-hmm. and in a tradi- I wouldn't be able to do that if I went to a public school. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually am leasing a horse now oh. and there are some days where it's like, if you don't get out there to ride right now, you won't get to ride at all. So it's oh, like okay. that it can be at like 10 in the morning or two yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I so also do you try work- to ride every day? I ride him about two or three times a week. It kind of depends on the weeks and such, um, but not every day. Mm-hmm. I am only doing a part-time lease on him because I work at a vet's office as well. Oh, you do? Okay. And mm-hmm. um, we'll come back to that in just a moment. Zoe, talk a little bit to me about um, some of your interests, some of your hobbies. Well, for starters, I've been blogging a lot on my own website, exogeologyrocks.com, because I really love what's called exogeology. Mm-hmm. That's a combination of exo, um, it's a combination of geology and astronomy, and exogeology is basically the geology of other planets, so like the volcanoes on Mars and learning about like the moons and planets and stuff. Um, and I've written a lot about that on my own website, exogeologyrocks.com, and I've also written two blogs for NASA. Okay. I also like writing fiction. All right. Well, you have a lot of hobbies going there, but I want to get back to your um, interest in geology on planets like the volcanic uh, rock from which planet did you say? Uh, Mars, Mars. there's some on several. Okay. So how are you looking at rocks from other planets? Well, of course, I'm not directly looking at rocks from other planets. I'd have to go there, but that would be really awesome. (laughs) That Um, would be, wouldn't it? (laughs) I do a lot of reading about what NASA does with the the Mars rovers and several satellites that they have. Mm -hmm. And I look at a lot of... uh, rocks here on Earth and, mm-hmm. and lots of geological formations here on our planet because there's a whole lot that Earth has in common with the other planets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you're making, um, what, educated um, what guesses as to what the rocks might look like on these other planets? Well, only the ones that we haven't been to yet. The ones that have actually had 
satellites and landers on them, I know a lot more about because everyone here on Earth knows more about them. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's been a recent uh, satellite going around Mercury, so everyone on Earth's gotten the chance to learn more about Mercury. And I'm looking forward to the launch coming up of Curiosity, the newest Mars rover. So I'll get to learn a lot more about Mars when that gets there. All right. All right, right. Callan, back to your, um, not really back to horses, unless, is, is this your dream? Do you want to work um, as a vet? Are you, are you looking at a science degree in the future, perhaps? No, um, I really love horses. I love riding them, but it's it's like a stress relief for me, and I don't want to turn what is a like a pleasure into my stress, like into my job. I don't want to do that. Um, and I don't I don't really want to go into the veterinary field because I love I love working right. at the vet's office I work at. I just I cannot stand blood, so it's like. Uh, okay. <laughs> So what is it that you want are looking to do then when you um graduate and what where you know you go to college and what are you going to be studying do you think I am really looking into an international business and relations degree with a minor in humanities okay. um I've been taking a course this year uh it's called world regional geography but it's so much more than that we've been um going through and not just looking at the geography of a region but really like how different things affect it and um one of the things that we were talking about is how there's this cycle of poverty and you can't get out of this cycle unless you have unless you like break it by People that don't have education can't really get jobs, and if they can't get jobs, they can't provide for their family, so they're just stuck that way. And it's kind of an ultimate goal to go into um, an area, in possibly in Africa, maybe here in the United States, somewhere where there really isn't a lot of education and provide some of that, provide education that way, you know, we can help them break out of this cycle of violence, which leads, you know, poor families, which leads to the infant mortality rate and things like that. Mm-hmm. So Very interesting. Very interesting. And um, Zoe, what are your ambitions for after school? My current goals for the future are to work for NASA as an exogeologist. I hope to study Mars a lot and to work for Jeopardy on the Clue Crew. And I would then travel around making video trivia clues Mm -hmm. around the world. Mm -hmm. And my current goals are to visit all 50 states. I've been to 40 so far. Mm -hmm. And hopefully to all the continents in my job at Jeopardy, which I am currently working on my own Jeopardy-style game on my website, Zoe's Party, in order to get close to that goal. All right. Well, we'll talk more about that um, later. It's time for us to take a little bit of a break. For those of you just joining us, I'm talking to Zoe Cottrell-Bentley and Callan Rowe. And we're having a grand time discovering their outlook on the future with homeschooling as their foundation. Stay with us while we break for a few moments, and then we'll continue with our conversation. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
Girlfriend It is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriend at Principal was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Season Me is on Toginet, a delightful, thoughtful, serious, and not-so-serious call-in show with Cecil Murphy and Twyla Belk. Tuesday nights at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. You know Cease is the veteran author from 90 Minutes in Heaven, Gifted Hands, When a Man You Loved Was Abused, and many other books, as well as a mentor for writers. And Twyla Belk is an effervescent force known as the Gotta Tell Somebody Gal. She's also a writer and motivational speaker who's always bragging on God. For more on Cecil Murphy, go to his website, Cecil Murphy, that's P-H-E-Y dot com. And for Twyla, GottaTellSomebody.com. The show, Season Me, is a far-reaching, faith-based, shared conversation and call-in show with questions welcome. A chance to get everything out in the open. From questions about writing, to surviving sexual abuse, to the topics of the day. All from a Christian worldview to help you. Season Me, Cecil Murphy, Twyla Belk. Tuesday evenings today, 7 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, we're back, and I'm talking to Zoe Cottrell Bentley and Callan Rowe. All right, Zoe, tell us, when we went on the break, you were talking a little bit about a Jeopardy game that you're involved in and that I think you've, you actually write clues and post them five days a week on somewhere. So just tell me, tell me what you do. Okay, right now I'm in the middle of posting my first game of Zoe's Geopardy, which is a Jeopardy-style game on my exogeologyrocks.com website. And what it is, is five days a week, from Monday through Friday, I will post one video clue per day, and that will consist of the answer to a question, just like on the game show Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. And at the end of each clue will be the question to last week's answer. Or rather, the response to the clue to make it less confusing. Okay, and so how will that take you around the world eventually in the big picture? Well, right now I've been doing clues wherever I happen to be, which has been in several different states. It's been in Arizona, Ohio, Illinois, California, um, and it's been all over so far. And it's really good practice for if I'm going to be on the real Jeopardy someday, which I plan to be as soon as I am old enough to, because they have an age limit on that, unfortunately. All right, so that's the Clue Crew Jeopardy 
thing that you're yes. talking about, right? Okay. Yes, it is. Okay. And Callan, let's go to you now. Um, will you tell us how, how you like to learn? Because I know there are different ways that each one of my children liked to learn. So what was your way of learning? I liked learning um, kind of like in a Jeopardy style way. I liked, I, if you gave me the answer to like a math problem, be like, okay, here's how, here's the answer. How did I get there? I could, I could easily tell you, mm-hmm. but working the other way was a little bit harder for me. Um, but for like science and stuff, I really had to be like hands on. Um, I'm a very tactile person. I like, I liked like using blocks for math and stuff. I like handwriting, um, essays because I felt like I was closer to the words almost. Um, I liked doing stuff like that. Um, just cause it was something I could like touch and feel and look at rather than, you know, saying something out loud or once you say it, it's gone, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, Callan, I'm curious, are you doing any dual credits? Are you doing any work with your community college? I did. I did not do any last year. I did some in my sophomore year where I was dual enrolled, but, um, we have a co-op in the area that, um, basically has all of the classes I would need. Uh Um, and so I haven't really had a need for the community college yet. I will probably be taking classes there next semester, but this semester I'm just at the co-op. And do you have a favorite homeschooling moment, Callum? I do. Um, when I was in um, sixth grade, I absolutely hated anything to do with English. I just, I hated writing it. I hated doing the lessons. I hated reading. I hated all of it. And um, I had a teacher that was trying really, really hard to, um, you know, just teach and you know, show me like, you know, here's how you can write something. And I had a, um, to write a process essay and it was literally do this, then this, then this, okay. and then you're done. And she was like, okay, try adding life into it. And I was like, I don't want to add life into it. And so she sent it back to me a final time and she's like, okay, look, here's how you add life into it. And she wrote just a couple sentences that were describing, you know, it was, try- it was me trying to tell you how to brush a horse and she wrote a couple sentences, you know, like how the, describing how the horse looked and me going into the stall to brush the horse. And it was, and that was kind of where writing clicked for me. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've loved writing English. Um, I am right now in a writing competition called NaNoWriMo or National Novel Writing Month. Mm-hmm. And I've been writing a novel in November and it's, you have 30 days to write 50,000 words. So. Okay. Well, you know, that leads me straight into Zoe and her book that she's just had published because Zoe is a writer. Her whole family writes books, and that's why they're traveling around the United States. Um, they write a book based in every state that they visit, correct, Zoe? Yes, that's correct. My mom writes the Write on Time series about a family of homeschoolers who travels around the United States. Mm-hmm. And your book, tell us about your book. My book, which I co-authored as one of five co-authors, is called Fractured Fate. It's about five teens in Sorita, Arizona, which is where I just moved from. It's a real town. And they saved the world from a mysterious artifact using their superpowers. And this was actually interesting to write. The whole process was very interesting because there are five co-authors to this book. 
So we got together last year as part of my mom's writing class, which she teaches creative writing. Mm -hmm. And we all were part of the class. And it was really fun. We all improved our writing a lot, and it was fun reading each other's work. But then at the end of the year, we we just had so much fun with the class that we wanted to do it again. We decided before doing the class that instead of just taking the same basic thing all over again, we would actually write a book together. So we decided to do a collaborative novel, and we spent a lot of time deciding how we would split up the writing, and we decided to each write from the point of view of a different character, and what the plot would be, and all of that about the book, all of the basics, and then all the details. And it was really fun putting all of that together. Okay, and you did, and you actually had a publishing party on November the 11th, I hear. Yes, on 11-11-11, we had a book release party uh-huh. for Fractured Fate, and it went really well, actually. We sold a lot of books and got a lot of interest, and everyone was really nice. It was so, really fun. Um, go visit Zoe's website, her exogeologyrocks.com, but if you can't remember that, do the right on time, and that's right with a W, W-R-I-G-H-T, on time, and um, you'll be able to get all of the links to everything that this whole family does actually all of their books so congratulations Zoe on being a published author um what tell me um did you or do you feel as though you missed out at all by not going to school I definitely um I definitely don't feel as if I've missed out on anything I have been able to complete any experiment experience that I have wanted to complete I've been able to go places, do things, meet people, and I've been able to do that without the constraints of school. I know that school is important to a lot of people, but I've been able to to do things that have been very beneficial for me and very fun for me, and the same for the rest of my family. I've been able to go along with them as they have done things that they've wanted to do and I've especially enjoyed being able to travel around the United States and to meet people along the way and various things. I also have been able to interview lots of people who who I've wanted to interview for my Exogeology Rocks videos Oh, and I've really been able to um, to to um, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, I've I've been able to learn things that I never thought I would learn by yeah. just having conversations with people. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. Callan, um, did you think that you missed out on on school? You know, friends and you know, big birthday parties and stuff like that. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think so. I think I've actually gained more from being homeschooled. I mean, it's allowed me to ride horses and work at a job and have things like that. So I don't really think I've missed out on anything. I mean, sure, I've missed out on the the huge birthday parties, but I don't really think, you know, that I would really care much. (laughs) Um, No, I I think a uh, a lot of people who go to school look at homeschoolers and go, I want to do that. Um, so both of you think that um, homeschooling has set you up grandly for whatever you want to do for your futures yes yes 
Okay. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, and I definitely think by listening to both of you that really you're, you've learned, you know, as much as you can possibly learn at, at, uh, in your home school that you would have learned at school, if not more, probably a whole lot more. You've had a whole lot more fun. Um, I don't think you missed out at all. I don't think you ever worried about whether you were doing enough. Did you, Zoe? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> no, I've no. Been able and to Callan? Learn pretty much any subject. Yeah. Callan, did I, you ever worry that you weren't doing enough? <laughs> I think there are times I was worried I was doing too much, too much but not, yes. not enough. <laughs> yes, I think I had that, that time with, with my children. Some of my friends would say, you're doing so much with them, poor things. Let them have some time, some downtime. But, uh, you know, I think when, you're, when you enjoy, as a parent, when you enjoy having your children around you, you do a lot of things. You do get really, really busy because it's just so much fun to be the one to uh, introduce your children to new experiences. So... As the child of that enthusiastic parent, Callum, are you glad that you had your mom as a teacher? Yes, I am very glad I did. And Zoe, what about you? Well, first I should uh, say that as unschoolers, we have decided that my mom and my dad are not exactly teachers so much as facilitators, and they Mm -hmm. will help guide us to different resources and they will help us learn whatever we want, but it doesn't necessarily take place in a teaching context. Mm -hmm. But yes, I am very glad that I've had my parents to help me through learning and it's been great for me. I've always been able to be there and I've also been able to learn a lot from their current experiences. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've been able to teach your parents a lot too. So it's going to, it's been a two way street. Well, we've come to the end of our time. I've been talking to Zoe Cottrell Bentley and Callan Rowe about how they're using their high school years to explore options for their futures. And there are many, most of them starting from hobbies and developing into real entrepreneurial possibilities. We talked about college and internships, family closeness and dreams. And I'm sure you're as delighted as I am with these two young ladies who are so fluent about how homeschooling has helped them explore and discover for themselves ideas about what they may want to do when they leave their families and branch out on their own. Zoe and Callan, you're both credits to your parents and will be shining examples of homeschool success wherever you go and whatever you decide to do. Thank you so much for joining me today. Bye, Callan. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Zoe. Bye. Have a lovely weekend. Good luck with your endeavors. Thank you very much. Thanks. It's fun talking to you. Bye. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Information is power, the power to change your life. So be here for Education to Excellence. Some of the most valuable information you may ever receive will be shared with you 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday night with Education to Excellence with your host, Bruce Beichman. You'll benefit from insightful shows featuring guests that are proven experts in their field. Little-known facts on how to improve your health by making one very simple change in your morning routine. If you're a high school graduate or working adult and a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate degree from an accredited college would change your life, you won't want to miss this. Education to excellence. Shift your career into high gear without ever attending a traditional college class. 
Learn investment strategies from proven experts who have a track record of helping normal individuals build abnormal wealth. Check out their website, education2excellence.com. Then join us for the show, Education to Excellence, with your host, Bruce Beichman. Tuesday nights at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on toginet.com. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. When Deborah Bell, an entrepreneur and speaker at Apology Alive, was my guest a few weeks ago, our topic of conversation fell back to a theme I've noticed cropping up with home educators. There is no retiring from it. Unlike many other jobs, the homeschool culture never lets go. Once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler. Deborah told me how much she enjoyed being at home, teaching her children during her 18-year career in that capacity, and how much she missed her friends and their children once all the students had packed up and left. Deborah wasn't far behind. She decided to go to Temple University, where she's seeking permission to write her dissertation for her PhD in educational psychology. Her doctoral study will focus on what a homeschool looks like today. The wide diversity of teaching strategies, the absence of no child left behind in the home classroom, the installation of high standards of education, and the instilling of a genuine love to continue learning will all be topics in her dissertation. As we, re- as we research and study alongside our children, something happens. At least I know it did with me. I may not have been equipped to teach my high schoolers, or at least my first high schooler, but by the time I got to the second, third, and fourth, I'd become an expert, and I enjoyed learning the calculus, chemistry, and physics equally as much as the history, rhetoric, and composition. Sometimes I took more from what I was learning than my students did. Their main focus was usually on the pool outside or the trees. Personally, I think school can be a waste on some of our young. I've had guests who agree that school and college aren't for everyone at the same time in their lives. Each child should be able to decide for him or herself whether they're ready for further education. For example, I have a daughter who doesn't want to formally pursue any more academics, hence the vocational theatre and performance college she's attending here. But she did say that sometime in the future she'll probably go back to school and take a degree, and she's grateful to have already completed her associates. Instead of working in a restaurant or coffee shop, or taking a gap year, which is very trendy here, and which, because she's such an awesome result of our homeschool, she views as a complete waste of time. She's using her God-given talent and training like crazy, hoping to reach the next level in her performing career and see where it takes her. 
That they need further education is a given. Mike Donnelly said it's a godly expectation to pursue the higher knowledge available to us in our world. And through Deborah's research, she tells us that children are hardwired since creation to learn. It's how they do this best and when the time is right for them to move on that we, as homeschooling parents, are privileged to be able to discern with them. During my homeschool years, I was challenged by my children to learn how to memorize all over again formulas and equations, latter conjugations, and poetry, favorite lines from books and plays, not to mention all my children's friends' names so that I didn't call them all you. Unlike Deborah, although I loved the alongside learning that existed at Wildflower, I wasn't tempted to return to college to pursue another degree as soon as my children were successfully sprung from the kitchen table. But that doesn't mean we don't stop modelling what lifelong learning looks like. Have you ever sat back and scratched your head and said, Oh, I thought I knew everything, when something goes awry and you kick yourself for not doing the research thoroughly enough? Or a fact of history becomes uncovered that you'd never heard of before, like the legal homeschooling battles fought on our behalf in the early 80s? When this happens, I'm always eager to share my new knowledge with my children, wishing my parents had done the same for me. Life skills, it could be called in some cases. And I think how fortunate my children are because of homeschooling and having such terrific parents. But I also know that there will be new things for them to learn um, for the rest of their lives. Some of it they've learned once and then forgotten for years until it comes up again. Am I going to go the rest of my life making mistakes? Well, not the same ones, I'd hope. Can I turn my mistakes over to the Lord and chalk them up to growth? Well, of course. How much more is there to learn about the complex art of living? Well, there's never a time when learning ends, and anyone who thinks there is is not a lifelong learner. And what is the homeschool today like compared to the homeschool of 20 years ago? Has it come out into the open more? It's more widely heard of and acceptable than it was, I know that. The tools of learning are vast and readily available if a family has internet access. There are free workshops and videos conducted by professors and other dignified men and women of letters eager to impart their wonderful world of knowledge to the younger generation. My friend Deborah Bell is an example of this. She teaches online classes to help students prepare for college and to turn their high school credits into college credits by clipping. She also offers AP literature and composition classes, so visit her at deborahbell.com. Homeschooling today is becoming an important social phenomenon. 150 years ago, people hadn't heard of compulsory education. The poor and working classes sent their children to work. For the well-to-do, governesses and tutors were brought in, followed by a university for the boys. Really, is it such a surprise that homeschooling is so successful today? It's an extension of what was already happening among the privileged for centuries. Education for all is a good idea. How it's implemented is debatable. The Education Act in Britain of 1996 states that education is compulsory. School is not. Section 7 further details that the duty of parents is to secure education of their compulsory age children suitable to their age, ability and aptitude, either by regular attendance at school or otherwise. The fact that it's up to the parents to educate their children at school or otherwise is laudable and forms the foundation for the homeschooling movement in England, putting down the roots of lifelong learning for our future generations. Well, the big news at the moment is Malia's managed to wheedle herself home to America for Christmas. We told her that an extra trip across the pond was not in the budget when she announced her intention. And she said they, she and the boyfriend, were paying. 
We tried dissuading her with observations about accommodation, lack of car, no phone, little or no money for food and other necessities, and they came back with another plan. He'd come here instead. I was more concerned about the emotional impact a trip home would have, but she claimed that she didn't like her life in Lee and that if she was going to be able to complete the year with a modicum of sanity left at the end, this trip home would do her good. And who can argue with a wise 19, almost 20-year-old? I'm still worried about readjustment afterwards, but it's not my heart. Somehow, in all this back-and-forcing, however, the money they had initially saved was spent in two weeks flat. She's a good spender, my youngest, and obviously so is he, unless he didn't have his share saved yet. And the time came around to book the ticket. And guess what? We ended up paying for it because the prices were rising at an alarming rate. But she promises to pay me back with all her paychecks the minute they hit the bank. She's managed on no money for the last two weeks, and I think she's learning, like her older brother, the Zooey, that money doesn't grow on trees, although they both claim they know that, Mum. They still spend it as if it was growing somewhere, in our bank accounts, no doubt. The upshot of all this is, Malia manages to go home for the holiday, and we don't. My friends say we're all too soft with our children, but I have to say her demeanour and attitude has improved greatly during this half of the semester. Of course, she's got something to look forward to. It was looking as if she was going to drown in her sorrows there for a while. Reality will hit once she lands in America and realises it won't be the same as going home to mum and dad. I hope love sees her through and she comes back all recharged and ready to go. I wonder if the boys are prepared for their roles as in loco parentis while she's there. Ha ha. <laughs> Advent, which is the time of year that it is on Sunday, in our home school, always heralded the start of the festive season. Good and proper. And I'd try to work it so that school was finished for the year. The reasoning behind this went back to when my cowboy was still on the road touring with bands. Invariably, he'd be gone for all of December, and that month proved to be too busy with extracurricular activities for me to handle alone. So I had to cut something out, and of course, the only thing I had complete control over was school. The children were so happy. There was cooking and cleaning, the making of gifts, and of course the mailing of the Christmas card with its a photograph and letter. And let's stop for a moment here and reminisce about the Christmas card. Making our own cards started when they were very young. My artist husband would sketch a manger or three kings or the root of Jesse, whatever came to mind in October or November, and I'd find an appropriate Bible verse to enhance it, something from the Old Testament, so that our recipients would get a different piece of scripture to mull over. During the first week of December, the cards were ready. We'd photocopied them onto card stock with the greeting inside and a trademark saying on the back. And we'd all sit around the dining room table with paint pens at the ready, and each child, with his or her assigned colour, would add a line to the sketch across the manger roof or down the king's robes or along the desert ground. Then the cards would be opened for another take around the table, this time for signatures in the designated place agreed upon beforehand. This whole process would take about an hour and was always fun, adding a personal swoop of colour to the card. Next, the envelopes would come out and we'd put address labels on them and sort them into two stacks, England and other foreign countries and America. I'd get the addressed envelopes and write in the place where the stamp would go a P or a PL, indicating what was to be enclosed with the card, a photo or a photo and a letter, depending on who it was making its way to. I'd do the final stuffing later when the letter was finished with the help of one or two children, depending on interest. The days of homeschooling. What lovely memories we made for everyone. This year, 
my handyman made my handyman cowboy made an advent wreath for us using four small silver candlesticks that were my parents as the foundation. We bought four mini circlers with red berries and crafted a figure of eight wreath that now resembles a cross, simple and functional. The only problem we had was finding the candles, which we eventually did online. And I've been asked to read at the Advent Carol service on Sunday. This marks the beginning of a new church year with the season of anticipation. Advent, the waiting for the child Jesus. I love it that we've been blessed with such a high liturgical church at the bottom of the road. Couldn't get more convenient than that. There are lots of musical events to carry us through this short season until Christmas. They'll be beautiful and remind me that where two or more are gathered, there also is Jesus. And I've managed to yabber on for another hour, which has just zoomed by again this week. This evening we're going to my only friend's flat for a sit and sit before heading off to the theatre for another rehearsal. Then it's the first Sunday in Advent, and I've been asked to read a lesson, as I've said, so I'm both excited and nervous, and next week we're into December, and close to the end of the year, and I pray that you can find some moments to yourself during this hectic time. My listener friend Tina listens to me on her iPod while she's beetling around. Thanks, teen. I'll be here same time, same place next week. Join me for some fun. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome, clean-shaven husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my guests Zoe Cottrell-Bentley and Callan Rowe, and my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindell, Hannah Tina, Rosemary Sarah, and many others. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Doodoop. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.